0: Hello and welcome to the Prospect Sermons Podcast, the preaching ministry of Prospect Baptist Church. This podcast is dedicated to the faithful exposition of the Scripture and the edification of the local church. This is Parker Smith, senior pastor of Prospect Baptist, located in Fayetteville, Tennessee. Our prayer is that the sermon you are about to hear will help you grow in your understanding of God's Word, point you toward the person of Jesus Christ, and encourage you to live for the glory of God. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Prospect Sermons Podcast. for being here this morning. If you have your Bibles, I would love for you to turn them to uh, the book of Malachi, chapter number one. We're gonna be looking at verses six through 14. If you need help finding the book of Malachi, uh, there is absolutely nothing wrong with looking at the table of contents and seeing what page that it is listed on in your Bibles. You can also turn to Matthew, which begins the New Testament, and you can go left from there and you can find the book of Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament. As our choir was coming down, I said to them, they better hurry, that screen is not gonna show any mercy. Uh, The Lord may show mercy, but our screen does not. And so they got down uh, timely enough. But um, if you're a guest here with us, I do wanna say again, thank you for being here. Uh, We pray that the Lord uh, would give to you a word from his word this morning. But I'm grateful uh, for the challenge of preaching through this little book. And it has been that a challenge to preach and also know that it's been a challenge to receive as well, uh, but we ought not to avoid challenges when it comes to God's word, for that is how we grow. Uh, and Malachi, as we saw last week, did not really give us a break. Uh, he gave to us very weighty, weighty doctrine, namely Jacob I've loved, but Esau I've hated. Many people struggle with the idea of God's hatred, but that is certainly what the text says, so we ought not shy away from this truth, but instead press into this truth, namely that we would understand the weightiness of it and the truth that is there. But I appreciate so much your willingness to listen, engage, and receive God's word as it was preached. Many of you, I know, were moved to tears last week, and we should be moved to tears. It's okay to be moved to tears when we read the word of God, amen? Many of you were moved to tears, and we should weep at the thought that God would love any of us. And in Christ, God has set his electing effectual love on us and in that we rejoice and we ought to be amazed at that reality. One of the challenges in preaching in a prophetic book such as Malachi is that the language is so packed with meaning and it's hard not Two, and it's certainly tempting for someone like me to just squeeze and squeeze and squeeze until every drop of honey from God's word comes gushing out. You know what I mean when I say that, right? Psalm 119, verse 103, 104 says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I gain understanding, therefore I hate every false way. And that is why we practice here at Prospect Baptist what we call expository preaching. And that we might receive and hear the word of God rightly divided. And that means, by the way, the the word can be wrongly divided as well. It's not subject to your opinion on the matter but instead has an accurate understanding of truth given and led into the fullness of truth by his Holy Spirit who guides us into all truth. And that is why God has given the church shepherds and teachers, preachers led by the Spirit with the heart of Christ to rightly divide the word of God and impart to the people of God so that they may be equipped and trained and instructed to do the same so that we aren't led astray by wolves or be corrupted to believe that there is no authoritative truth on which the church stands. There is an authoritative truth and it is his word, beloved. The church is built upon and lives by the truth. God's word is truth, John 17, 17. And so this morning we are concerned with one thing and one thing only. Namely, Romans 4, 3, what does the scripture say? And that is all we are concerned with. What does God's word say? And in that, I ask you to stand as we read from God's word from the book of Malachi, chapter number one, verses six through 14. This is the word of the Lord, a son honors his father and a servant, his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I'm a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts. O oh, priest who despised my name, but you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table is despised. When you offer blind animals and sacrifice, is that not evil? When you offer those who are lame and sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts? Oh, that they were among you one among you who had shut the doors that you might not kindle fire against the altar, my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. From the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And every place incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts but you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its food may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is and you snort at it and says the Lord of hosts, you bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick, that you may bring it as your offering. Shall I accept that from your hands, says the Lord of hosts? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. This is the word of the Lord. If you believe it, would you say amen? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I pray that in this text that you would give us eyes to see and you would give us ears to hear. Father, there is so much that is here in your word this morning. And we are but helpless to understand it apart from your spirit moving. And so, Father, I pray that your spirit would allow us to hear your word and to receive it and believe it in faith and we may apply it in our lives and move and be moved to change and repent and we may leave here changed. Father, as your son Jesus met with his disciples on the road to Emmaus and he opened up the scriptures, all things that pertained to him. As he said to The religious leaders, you search the scriptures because you think within them you would have eternal life, but it is they that bear witness about me. So, Father, may you fix our eyes upon Jesus in this text. For the Savior of humanity is Christ, and the exaltation of Christ is seen even in this text. We know that this is all pointing to Christ so may you make a way in Christ that we may see his glory, we may see his person, we may see his beauty, for he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so, Father, may we come and come only through Jesus that we may be accepted by you. For it is in his name that we pray, amen. You may be seated. I wanna call your attention to a few things this morning. First of all, I wanna point you to God's rebuke for corporate worship. The title of this sermon is entitled, The God Who is Worthy. First point is that God's rebuke for corrupt worship. You see this in verse six through eight, and I will walk us through these verses one by one and make comments along the way. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I'm a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts, O priest, You who despise my name. The situation in Israel, as we talked about last week, had deteriorated to the degree that God was not receiving the worship that was properly due to Him. God reminds His people of their relationship with Him, it was like a covenant. God has set an affection upon a people, namely Israel, who is like a son and God is like a father to them. He is a faithful shepherd to his people. He is a faithful Lord to them. Yet the people disobeyed entirely and were ungrateful to the Lord. And it revealed itself through the hearts of the people in their worship that was cold. Their hearts were even colder. They settled the worship of the living God and saw it as something that was trivial and emotionless. And God says, any father is deserving of honor. Any good master is deserving of honor and in fear. How much more then is the Lord deserving of honor? In the name of the Lord, deserving of honor and fear. Malachi uses the word here for honor. It's the Hebrew word kabod. It means glory. It means splendor. It means weighty. It means heavy. Where is my fear? Where is my respect? There is a weight and consideration when we come to worship that we experience the Almighty. There is a weight in which we should come to Him in awe and reverence of Him. And yet the people had no respect. They had no honor. They had no fear of God. And instead, they despised the name of God It is a picture and the posture of instead of them looking up in gratitude, they are looking down with contempt and disdain. So Malachi says in verse 6 and 7, but you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? Here are the priests, don't miss this, the priests who are called to lead the people in worship. Can we say they should know better? But yet bring polluted things to the altar of God and their hearts, they question his love, just like they did in the previous passages that we looked at last week. But don't miss this, not only did they question his love, they questioned his commands as well. They knew the law, they knew what was required of them, they knew what was acceptable before the Lord in worship, yet they brought before the Lord not their best, but their least. Leviticus 22 verse 17, it'll come up on the screen or you can see it in your scripture as well. As the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron, that is the high priest and his sons and all the people of Israel and say to them, when anyone of the house of Israel or the sojourners in, the, in Israel present a burnt offering and his offering for any of their vows or freewill offerings that are offered to the Lord, if it is to be accepted for you, it shall be, here it is, a male without blemish of the bulls and the sheep or the goats, you shall not offer anything that has a blemish for it will not be acceptable for you. Effectively, there were two things that were required in the offering and sacrifices that were given to the Lord. You know what they were? Bring your first and bring your best. And yet the priest, instead of bringing their first and their best before the Lord, They bring blind animals. They bring the lame animals. They bring the sick animals. They bring animals that were stolen by violence. But don't mistake it. The problem wasn't just the priests, though the blame could be ultimately laid upon at their feet, but they received these sacrifices from somewhere, and they received it and approved of it, from the people's offering that they gave. And the people came to God and they came to give God merely their second best, merely their leftovers. Don't miss this, that which literally cost them nothing. And the priest said, amen. Well, at least we have something to give. And the hearts of their worship was corrupted. There was a willingness to take the holy things of God and make them and consider them common. Ah, uh, God doesn't really deserve our best, just whatever we give to Him will do. Ah, uh, God won't mind as long as He's worshiped. Maybe if we lower the bar and lower it to any cost, more people may show up. Folks, that's the picture of the modern-day church. But don't miss this. What the priests and the people called common and acceptable, did you know what God called it? God called it evil. Look at verse 7 and 8. By offering polluted food upon my altar, but you say, how have we polluted you? by saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those things that are lame or sick, is that not evil? The answer to that is a resounding, of course it is. God is willing to confront our false worship and worship that just merely goes through the motions and God confronts it and calls it not lackadaisical, not half-hearted, not careless, God calls it evil. To consider the holy, righteous, sovereign God to come to him for worship so flippantly and give him the scraps of our hearts when he is deserving of all, we ought to be careful We ought to be very careful, lest what is revealed in our hearts isn't really carelessness, isn't really flippantness, but really is a heart that is wicked. What is due to God? What worship is due to him? Answer, worship that adequately reflects his goodness and worth. That is why in this text, worship is equated with the name of the Lord. God says, my name is at stake. My glory is on the line, my worth, my honor. You want to know and rightly display what is true in your heart about me, your father, your redeemer. He says in verse eight, present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts. Malachi effectively says, here's a test. Bring that to your governor. No governor or leader would tolerate that type of flippant, half-hearted devotion. So what makes you think that God will tolerate your hypocrisy? And he won't. He will instead expose you for what you are and reveal your true heart as wicked, corrupt, and evil. Can I lovingly invite you to consider your heart this morning, beloved? You know, it's easy to consider ourselves and to justify our ways. The priests would try to do that. Israel would try to do that as well. Well, how have we? And you fill in the blank. We play innocent. We play the victim. That's usually what happens when we want to build consensus, right? Oh, poor me. Look at me. Oh, my But can I invite you to consider your heart before the Lord? Are you walking with the Lord today? Are you sensitive to his leading? Or have you laxed and waned in your affection towards him? Do you find yourself faking devotion and godliness before others because your thoughts and actions are really far from being godly? They're really self-serving and prideful. Even within the last year, our world has convinced us that coming to worship to the house of the Lord on the Lord's day to worship him is just merely optional. That virtual worship is just the same. I'm sorry, I'm not buying it. And the scripture won't buy it either. Can I submit to you that not much has changed. When we come to God, God expects for us to bring to him our first and bring to him our best. And yet anything less than that, to give the holy, righteous, awesome God of the universe, to give him anything less than that, let's call it what it is, sinful, wicked, evil. Would you consider your heart and posture and worship to the Lord? How often we plan, we prepare, we love to engage and dive in wholeheartedly to all the things of the world. Yet when it comes to the things of God, who really has time for that? Well, does it really have to be that big of a deal? The whole bodies in our lives that we so willingly give of ourselves to the world we begrudgingly give to God. We have a heart of the Lord. We say, here's my heart, God, but don't take my wallet. Here's my time, but, but don't take that much. Here's my life, but not that part. Have my attention, but do I really have to be that involved? Give me status, give me position, give me power, and I'll use it as I see fit for selfish gain. How wicked, how sinful. God's name, God's holy and righteous name, is at stake. Don't trample and call what is holy and treat it as if it is nothing. How have we done that? By corrupting what is holy and treating God as if he deserves the wasteful slivers of your life. That is how we could have done that. God confronts the false worship. Secondly, God calls for repentance. Get verses nine through 11. And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. Malachi and the Lord is almost being facetious here it's an indictment against Israel. He's calling them to consider their ways, knows that they will not consider their ways, but in some hope, hoping that they would see their selfishness and their, their, their egotism about themselves and saying, you just want me because I show you favor. But God calls them to repentance. In the midst of their rebellion of the priests, God extends to them, a means to consider their ways. The word for entreat literally means to fall sick. It means to earnestly request something. In other words, cry out to the Lord. If I've said it once, I've said it a 100 times, it doesn't matter how far you've gone down that road, there's always a road home. And it is repentance. The answer is to stop, it is to repent, it's to fall sick and cry out to God. The answer is not boasting in your flesh, it's not following your flesh, it's not continuing in the same posture, but to consider the grace of God and to return to God's affection and love for his people found in Christ. He says, I have loved you, declares the Lord in Malachi 1, 2, and to rest and rejoice in that love, don't lose sight of his love towards you. And that is why I said last week, if we ever lose sight of the grace and love of God, our worship will become corrupted because it becomes more about ourselves. And that's what Israel has done. And God invites them to repent, though he knows that they will produce a false repentance that is not truly found in the grace of God, but it's found in the favor that God can give to them. Yet God's aim is that we would repent and return to Christ and his love, not be filled with self, but be filled with Christ. Yet, if you continue in this posture as they will and their attitudes show in verse nine, with such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts? The rhetorical questions have an obvious answer, don't they? When you offer blind animals and sacrifices, is that not evil? Verse eight, answer is yes, it is. And when you offer that which is lame or sick, is that not evil? The answer to that is yes, it is. Present that to your governor. Will he he accept you or show you favor? No, he won't. Verse nine, and now you entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to you with such a gift from your hand. Will he show favor to any of you? No, he won't. Verse 13, you bring what has been taken by violence or lame or sick, and you bring that as your offering? Shall I accept this from your hand, says the Lord? No. How presumptive we are. How presumptive we are to think that God would just accept anything from us. May the next verse call the wave a shock to come over you. Look at verse 10. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. God wishes that they would close up shop. He wishes they would close it all down, that it'd be a hypocrite coming to the Lord. This is from Egan Dugan and Matthew Harmon's commentary. They begin comments on this section. They say, here's a quote to consider. Listen to this quote. I hate going to church. Church is frustrating and boring. It's full of hypocrites who just wanna go through the motions. It's a cosmic waste of time. You might expect these words to be from a famous atheist. Atheist. Instead, this is a paraphrase of the shocking message that God delivers in this passage from Malachi. God says, I will not accept your worship. I would rather you close the doors than continue in your hypocrisy. Beloved, I mean this with all the love in my heart towards the local church. But if a church is not willing to submit to scripture, If a church will not obey the Bible and conform their worship to the word of God, better they close the doors than continue in disobedience. And by the way, this assumes that there is a proper worship of God, amen? God cares about the way that we worship. You want proof? Malachi 1, six through 14. The songs that we sing matters. What we do when we worship matters. Is it accordance to the truth, accordance to scripture? It matters. If a church is content in following their own flesh and their own ideas and their own agendas, better they change the name and close the door than live under the guise of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll take it a step further. My concern is that we are living in a day in which this is commonplace for churches in our day. I'll take it even a step further. Much of the blame falls at the feet of pastors who are content and even ignorant about what God requires of his church. That's what makes pastoring so difficult. Everyone has a thought. Everyone has an idea. Here's what you should do. Beloved, I don't mean this rudely, but God has already spoken on the matter. We stick to the scripture and I promise you, I promise you God will build his church. And I'm not concerned with anyone's opinion. There are enough opinions and churches have fallen bedridden and ridden waves of opinions and preferences. I don't want opinions. I don't want preferences. And I don't want what we've always done to rule us. I have no interest in pastoring any church that wants any man's will done. I'm not interested in that. I want God's will done. I want the truth to prevail. I want God's church to be built. And I know you've heard me say it before, and I promise you, I don't mean this arrogantly, and I don't mean this flippantly, but our churches are sick today. And I will tell you, more good would come and it would certainly be more honoring to Christ that some churches would simply close their doors than to continue parading around under the banner of Christ, never considering the word of God and his ways in their worship or their life. It will be better for them to close the doors than to masquerade as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean that according to the word of God. Consider the words of Christ to his church, to the church at Ephesus in Revelation 2. Consider the common theme of love, repentance, and proper devotion before the Lord. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but you have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake, and you have not grown weary, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you had fallen, repent and do the works that you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And I look around, And how many churches find themselves right there? Maybe doing many good things, but they've abandoned their first love. They refuse to follow the Lord and his worship. They refuse to follow Christ and repent of those things and faithfully follow Jesus. I'll say this, God is not honored where Christ is not revered and where the scripture is not followed. In our day of inflated roles, hear me, God is not pleased. Meaning, meaningless worship songs that if you simply replace the lyrics of God or Jesus with honey or sweetie, it would be difficult to discern whether you are singing to a high school sweetheart or the sovereign God of the universe. Careful that we don't think the holy things of God and treat them as common In the day of walking an aisle to join a church just to get your name on the roll and you just stay there, nothing else required of you. On the authority of the word of God, I can assure you, God is not pleased. In a day, well, do I really have to show up to be a member of the Lord's church? I can assure you, God is not pleased. In a day of a posture of let me get, 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 demand, 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 but I'll give nothing of myself and how dare you expect me to give a tithe or to give anything to the Lord, I can assure you God is not pleased. In a day of easy believism, let's just get our numbers up at any cost, repeat this prayer, come down the aisle, spontaneous baptism, false gospels being preached in so many churches, God is not pleased. Pleased. In a day of carnality and fleshly-minded leaders seeking only themselves and seeking only to advance their pride, God is not pleased. In a day of little faith in which we look to pragmatic means of evangelism and church growth gimmicks to do whatever we got to do to please, please, please get them to come. What are we going to do if they don't ever come? God is not pleased in that. Instead, we ought to be fervently praying to the Lord to bring a harvest, boldly preaching the gospel and trusting the Lord in faith. And until that day comes, Prospect Baptist, God is not pleased. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews eleven six, And oh, that we might be a church who believes this word, who really believes this word and humbly comes and says, whatever this scripture says, whatever it says, that's what I want. Not my will, not my way. Get that stuff out of here. Give me God. Give me Christ, only Christ. And he's enough. That is the church in which God is pleased. Dr. Steve Lawson said it this way. He said, if God is pleased, then it doesn't matter who is displeased. If God is displeased, then it doesn't matter who is pleased. And if it's caused you to wince, if it's caused you to squirm, if it's caused you to become uneasy, offended that the pastor actually said it, don't wince. Don't be content and just squirming, checking the watch, thinking, man, when am I gonna get out of here? Here's one even better for us, Prospect, repent. Repent. That is the road home. God confronts our false worship. He calls his people to repentance, but God's demand is for true worship. It's in your bulletin, verses 12 through 14, but I'm gonna pull from verse 11 as well for that will be a hinge in this final point. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered in my name and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts, but you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its food may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is, and you snort at it says the Lord of hosts. You bring what is taken by violence or lame or sick, and you bring that as your offering. Shall I accept that from your hand?" says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it, yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. The burden of this entire passage is concerned with the proper worship and adoration of God. And it is revealing and displaying the glory and the name so accurately to reflect his divine character and goodness to all places. The burden of this text is, my name will be great. Three times in verse 11, but you profane my name in verse 12, for I am a great king, verse 14, and my name will be feared this is the same burden in which Malachi began the charge to the priest in verse six. Oh, priests, you despise my name. And that thought about the name of God, and in verse 11, I will come in just a moment, but see it clearly here. God says, my name is great, and it will be great, yet note the tension in verse 12. But you profane it. The word there is the word that means to defile. It means to take something that is sacred and to desecrate it. You defile me, you profane me, you desecrate my holy name. When you say that the Lord's table is polluted and it's fruit that is, the fruit may be despised. The similar is very similar and repetitive to what was said in verse six through eight. You profane it, but I wish that you weren't even here, says the Lord. I wish you would close the doors. Malachi 1.13, but you say, what a weariness this is, weariness this is, and you snort at it. You, Ugh, do I really have to do that? Says the Lord of host. What a bore this is, what a drag this is. You bring what has been taken by violence or lame or is sick and you bring that as your offering, you steal it, you rob it, it costs you nothing, but oh yeah, 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 it's mine, take it. Do you like it? How corrupt. What a mockery. Shall I accept this from your hand? Says the Lord. There was a common saying among the priests of Israel and within the life of Israel. It, have been, it would have been recited almost without end, day after day, sacrifice after sacrifice, offering after offering, family after family. You'll know it when I say it. It comes from the book of Numbers, verse 20 the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron, that's the high priest and his sons, saying, thus shall you bless the people of Israel and you shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. And the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance and upon you give you peace. So they shall put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them recurring blessing, speaking blessing. The priest, assuming the blessing, and there is no doubt that Malachi is playing off of this passage and this phrase to the priests of Israel, so as to say, you are presuming the blessing of God, and you have taken for granted his blessing, and you have trampled on his holiness, and you have presumed that he is pleased with your sin and your rebellion and apathy, careful lest you assume and presume the blessing of God when it has actually become a curse, upon." you, says the Lord. That's what Malachi is saying. So he says in verse 114, Cursed be the cheat who has a male flock and vows it and yet sacrifices the Lord what is blemished. And he ends his rebuke of their offerings in this way. For I'm a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. To recap, your hearts are corrupted, he says. The people's hearts are corrupted, he says. You refuse to bring acceptable offerings to me. You refuse to bring your best. You refuse to bring anything that costs you anything. You're stingy. You're unwilling to obey. You're unwilling to worship holy and you're unwilling to follow the Lord. But my name is great. My worship is worthy, worthy of a perfect sacrifice that the whole world will come and see the greatness and give glory to God. That is the burden of this text. That is the burden of verse 11 when he says, from the rising of the setting sun, my name will be great among the nations and in every place incense will be offered of the name and a pure offering for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. My name is great in which the whole world will one day see the greatness of of God. And if Israel won't do it, then the nations will come and they will do it. And the Gentiles will come in. And so to make Israel jealous, that's Paul's argument in Romans 10 through 11. But my name is great. My name is worthy. Give me worship. Give me honor that people may come to see the greatness and worth of God. Yet how will he do it? How will he do it? How will he receive glory and honor and the worship that is due with him of a perfect sacrifice? By sending a better priest, by sending a better worshiper, by sending a better sacrifice and a pure offering. Beloved, fix your eyes on the true sacrifice of God and fix your eyes on the awe and majesty of God being exalted and his glory going forth. See him, behold, God's best, God's first, God's perfect offering, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God's perfect worshiper, Jesus Christ, it was Christ who was fully submissive to the will of his Father. It was Christ who gave his all in love for the glory of God, the Father. It was Christ who is the suffering servant, giving his life and dying in our place. It is Christ in whom the Father is well-pleased. It is Christ who glorified the Father through his obedience. It is Christ who worships truly in the audience in the company of hypocrites and a corrupt priest of Israel. It is Christ who offered himself willingly, his perfect sacrifice for sin and for the joy that was set before him. And on the cross, the father turned his face away from his only son as if Christ were the one who sinned and Christ were the one who gave half-hearted devotion. God shut the door in the face of his only son. As if Jesus dishonored him, as if Jesus deserved guilt, as if Jesus deserved condemnation. Yet it was Jesus who would still submit to his father, even unto death on a cross. Philippians 2 says, we're to have this mind, which is ours in Christ Jesus, though he was in the form of God. Did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Hear Malachi saying, my name will be glorified. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue confess in heaven and on earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When man could give only his worst to God. And when man tried to give his best, but it wasn't good enough. When man could only give his worst, God gave his best to man. 1 John 1, 9, in this is love that was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world that we should live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the atoning sacrifice for sin. Jesus is the better worshiper. He's the better priest in bringing a pleasing sacrifice unto the Lord. That's why the author of Hebrews says to us, therefore, brother, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way, which he opened through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, he is not a corrupt priest. He's a great high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. He is our better priest. He is our better sacrifice. He is our better worship. And beloved, he is the only way that we are accepted before God. The only way that our worship is accepted before God is in Christ. And so Peter says in 1 Peter 2, as you come to him, as a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves live, live like living stones are being built up in a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This is why Hebrews thirteen fifteen says, through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that the fruit of our lips and acknowledge his name. And it is only in Christ, it is only in Christ Does God see our failures, our anger, our rebellion, our cold hearts, and yet in Christ sees his perfect son and sacrifice offering in our place and count our worship acceptable in him. He considers us worthy only in Christ. And oh, how that ought to cause our hearts to rejoice, to bring forth and to consider our ways, and if we are living in sin, if we are living unholy, if we are living in assuming God's grace and assuming God's favor, thinking that we have done something to deserve it, that we may repent of our pride, repent of our sin and turn to trust Christ. To which I will invite you to that end today. Are you in Christ this morning? Have you fallen sick and clung only To Jesus, do you need to repent of half-hearted devotion? Do you need to repent of your apathy, of your complacency, of your willingness to take the holy things of God and treat them as nothing? How is the Lord dealing with you this morning? We're gonna stand and we're gonna sing. I pray that as we stand and sing this morning, that you would respond as the Lord is leading you. Let's pray together. Well, as always, thank you for listening, and we hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Prospect Sermons podcast. If you'd like more information about Prospect Baptist Church, you can visit our website at prospectbaptistchurch.org, or you can find us on Facebook by searching Prospect Baptist Church, Fayetteville, Tennessee. If you live in the Fayetteville area, we would love for you to join us in worship on Sundays at 1030 a.m. If you're not comfortable doing that at this time, we understand, but please know we are live streaming our services on Facebook Live. We do hope to see you soon and look forward to you worshiping with us. Until next time on the Prospect Sermons Podcast.